Welcome back to Oliver's Insights, part of the Simplifying Investing podcast series. It's great to have you here. A reminder that this podcast is general in nature and hasn't taken your circumstances into account. It's important you consider your personal circumstances and speak to a financial advisor before deciding what's right for you. Any general tax information provided is provided as a guide only. And with that out of the way, here's Shane. G'day everyone and welcome to the latest issue of the Oliver's Insights podcast. This week, we're going to take a look at the threat of higher oil and petrol prices flowing from the war in Israel. What we're seeing on a nightly basis in regards to that war is absolutely terrible from a humanitarian perspective. From an economic and investment perspective, the concern is quite clearly that it will lead to a surge in oil prices that will add to inflation, keep interest rates higher for longer and add to the risk of recession. This week, we have a look at the main issues. So far, the impact on oil prices has been relatively modest, with oil prices up about $4 as I speak to a level of around 87 US dollars a barrel for West Texas Intermediate, since of course Hamas's attack on Israel. However, it comes at a time when oil prices had already reversed a large part of their fall into June of this year, which saw them fall below $70 a barrel. And since then, of course, they've had a bit of a rebound. And of course, prior to that, we saw that peak back last year uh, with oil prices reaching around $123.70 US a barrel on the back of the invasion of Ukraine, which of course was their highest level since 2008 when they reached a peak of US $145 a barrel. Oil prices are currently already high in nominal terms, particularly compared to the pandemic lows, when of course there was one moment there when they fell below zero. But in a broader sense, they're in line with the range that they've been in since the mid-2000s. In real terms, that is when you adjust for inflation, oil prices today are still below the highs reached in the second oil crisis way back in 1979. So of course you could argue people had it even tougher in 1979, even though oil and petrol prices in nominal terms seemed a lot lower than they were today. Now, of course, the rebound in oil prices since mid-year, as I said, when they had fallen below 70 US dollars a barrel, that rebound reflected a combination of production cutbacks by Saudi Arabia and Russia, the risk of more to come with Russia keen to punish the West, given the West's support of Ukraine, low inventory levels, and global oil demand holding up better than had been feared. And the fear, of course, is that the latest conflict in Israel will send prices even higher. Since Hamas's attacks on Israel, share markets are little changed to up slightly, and the US $4 a barrel rise in the world oil price is consistent with normal volatility on a week-to-week basis. So why aren't markets more concerned? Surely any conflict in the Middle East is bad via higher oil prices? Well, in fact, that's not necessarily the case, as it depends on whether global oil supplies are significantly impacted or not. Now, of course, if you go back in history, go back 50 years ago to the first global oil shock, which came in 1973 on the back of the Arab-Israeli war, which I think was called Yom Kippur, that saw many Arab countries against Israel and also saw OPEC, which of course was dominated by Arab countries, boycott oil supplies to the US, which drove a fourfold increase in world oil prices from somewhere around $3 a barrel US to around $12 a barrel US. The second oil shock, of course, came in 1979 on the back of the Iranian revolution that had seen its oil production collapse. And it, of course, resulted in a threefold increase in oil prices from somewhere around, say, $12 a barrel up to around almost $40 a barrel. Since then, it's been pretty mixed though. The first Gulf War in 1990-91, which of course saw Iraq invade Kuwait and then a coalition led by the US dislodge it, saw a spike in oil prices, but it was pretty brief. 
brief. The second Gulf War in 2003, which saw the invasion of Iraq, had little impact. And the war in Lebanon, 2006, the Arab Spring, which started in December 2010, the war in Syria that followed thereafter, and numerous flare-ups in the Israeli-Palestinian conflict have had little significant impact. The key is whether oil supplies from major producers in the Middle East are impacted. Israel, along with Lebanon and Syria, are not big oil producers. And this, of course, is not a rerun of the 1973 conflict. Now, Arab countries are on the sidelines, with many having better relations with Israel. In fact, the timing of Hamas's actions looks motivated to prevent progress towards a Saudi-Israeli security pact, which could have further isolated Hamas and Iran. The main risk, of course, is if Iran, which backs Hamas and Hezbollah in Lebanon, is drawn into the war, which could threaten its oil production, and that amounts to about 2.5% of global consumption, the flow of oil through the Strait of Hormuz, through which 20% of world oil flows, or even Saudi oil production as Iran showed that it could impact back in 2019. One can't, of course, discount the possibility that Israel doesn't ultimately take the bait and holds its fire to avoid giving Hamas the overreaction it's hoping for. Of course, we'll know pretty soon. But our base case, with 70% probability, is that the conflict is limited to Israel and Hamas in Gaza, and with some expansion to include Hezbollah in Lebanon and maybe other groups in Syria, with Iran supporting its proxies but not getting involved directly. This would cause bouts of uncertainty in investment markets, including oil markets, as the war escalates and expands, but not enough to significantly threaten oil supplies globally. Now, of course, in relation to this, the US will likely want to avoid bringing Iran directly into the conflict until after next year's election, for the obvious reason that it doesn't want to see electorally damaging surge in oil prices before then. And Israel may not want to open another front or to put the US offside. However, while it's not our base case, the risk of Iran becoming directly involved is significant and can't be ignored. Iran's backing of Hamas and its nuclear breakout capability mean Israel has a strong incentive to attack Iran at some point as does the US after the next election, resulting in a greater threat to world oil supplies. If this occurred, it could conceivably push oil prices above US $150 a barrel. And of course, that's anyone's guess as to how high it could go. So it's something to keep a close eye on. And even if Iran does not directly become involved, the risk of a further cut in Russian oil production, which accounts for about 10.5% of global oil production, is high given its desire to punish the West for supporting Ukraine. So the risk of a further rise in oil prices is significant and can't be ignored. Given upside risk to oil prices, it's worth considering what this might mean if it does eventuate for the global and Australian economies, with many fearing, of course, that it will add to inflation, keeping interest rates higher for longer. But of course, it's not that simple. Past oil price surges have played a role in US and global downturns in the mid-1970s, early 1980s, the early 1990s, and of course, the early 2000s, and even into the GFC. They weren't necessarily the driver of these recessions, as other factors like tight monetary policy, the tech wreck of 2000 and of course the US housing downturn prior to the GFC often played a much bigger role. But they made things worse because a rise in energy prices is a tax on consumer spending which leads to lower spending power. It's not so much the oil price level that counts. Of course it's been rising in trend terms over the last say five or six decades but the rate of change in the oil price as businesses as consumers can get used to high oil prices over time. Trouble often ensues if the oil price doubles over 
12 months. 18 months ago, when oil prices surged into the Ukraine war, the impact was mainly inflationary, reinforcing the need for central banks, including the Reserve Bank of Australia, to raise interest rates. Back then, of course, household budgets were strong. Households wanted to spend with reopening coming out of the pandemic. Everything was going up in price on the back of supply constraints, and monetary policy was very, very easy. Now, of course, all of that is reversed. So a further surge in oil and petrol prices is more likely to be a tax on spending than a further boost to inflation, and hence will be ultimately deflationary, which will make it very hard for higher fuel and transport costs to be passed on to consumers, beyond, of course, the direct impact of the increased price of petrol. This means it mainly will add to the risk of recession. However, while it will ultimately depend on how high oil and petrol prices go, there are some positives, suggesting that it may not be quite as bad or as negative as feared. Firstly, it's worth noting that the all intensity of economic activity has been falling with energy efficiencies and the growth of the services sector. Compared to 1973, the level of oil usage in the US is down about 70% on 1973 levels. So in other words, the amount of oil required to produce a unit of GDP or economic activity in the US is 70% lower than it was 50 years ago. In Australia, it's 60% lower than it was 50 years ago. And you might say, well, how come it hasn't come down as much in Australia? Well, our GDP was never as oil intensive as other countries because we tended to rely on other energy sources more so, particularly coal. So the impact of an oil price surge today is less than it used to be simply because oil is not as big an input into GDP as it used to be. Of course, it will still hurt. Secondly, we have not yet seen a doubling over 12 months in oil prices, suggesting they have not yet at least gone up enough to cause a major hit to economic activity globally. That said, the rise that has occurred is still an additional negative in the context of tighter monetary policies. So what, of course, does all of this mean for Australia? Australian petrol prices track the Asian tapas oil price in Australian dollar terms pretty closely. This is because our oil prices, or our petrol prices, are largely set globally, to which is then added, of course, the GST, fuel excise, distribution costs, and retailer margins. Current petrol prices already reflect current oil prices, although there is some scope of a fall if oil refinery margins fall. And of course, they had been expanding somewhat over the last six months. The rise in petrol prices that we've seen so far will directly add about 0.3 of a percentage point to inflation in the September quarter. And if petrol prices are sustained at current levels, it will add another 0.2 percentage points this quarter to inflation. So that's the direct impact of higher petrol prices on inflation. However, the rise in petrol prices since May has increased the typical Australian household's weekly car fuel bill by about $12 a week. With household budgets now stretched and the reopening boost behind us, this likely means that $12 a week less is available for spending elsewhere, which in turn will likely reduce underlying inflationary pressures because it effectively acts as a dampener on demand, which in turn adds to the risk of recession. And with other commodity prices being somewhat soft, unlike 18 months ago when most commodity prices were on the rise, there won't be the additional boost to national income and the federal budget that came with last year's surge in oil prices. So overall, we would see any further surge in oil and petrol prices that may flow from events in the Middle East as being a further dampener 
on economic growth and underlying inflation. As such, the RBA should look through it rather than further increase interest rates in response. So what, of course, does all of this mean for investors? There's a couple of implications. First one is that the war in Israel has added to the upside risk to oil prices and downside risk to shares in the near term. That seems pretty obvious. If, of course, Iran stays out of the conflict and a major disruption to oil supplies is avoided, the impact on shares on a 12-month view should be minimal. Not so good, of course, though, if Iran does get directly involved. I hope that's been of some value. Until we meet again, adios. To keep up to date with Dr. Oliver and the Simplifying Investing podcast series, be sure to subscribe to your favourite streaming platform. 